Hi there, and welcome to MoslaCast. This podcast series aims to provide relevant, realistic exam preparation for medical school clinical finals. The episode will feature a clinical scenario, followed by a seven-minute clinical history. Finally, as with the Mosler exam, there will be six minutes of discussion, with opportunity for you to pause the recording and test your knowledge. If you'd like a full guide on how to get the most out of these podcasts, check out our Mosler Guide track. These cases are based on real examples and are written by doctors with experience of Moslers. Enjoy and best of luck. You are an FY1 doctor working on the gastro ward in your local district general hospital. Sally is a 51-year-old lady who has just been admitted to the ward via GP referral, complaining of a swollen tummy. This is not the first time that Sally has presented in this way. Indeed, she was just discharged from the acute medical unit at your hospital last week. Sally has arrived with a handwritten medication list. The GP's handwriting is difficult to interpret, but you can make out the following medications. Feruzamide, 40 milligrams once daily. Spironolactone, 150 milligrams once daily. Thiamine. Salbutamol inhaler as required. Rivaroxaban. Please take a history from Sally. Ensure you assess the impact this condition has had on Sally's life. This will be followed by a discussion about Sally's presentation. Hi Sally. My name is Donna. I'm one of the final year medical students. Is it alright if we chat a little bit about what brought you into hospital? Hi Donna. Yeah, sure, that's fine. So I understand that you've been experiencing some problems with your tummy. Tell me more about that. It's so annoying. This thing is constantly bringing me into hospital. I'm in, out, in, out. It's like the hokey cokey. What is actually happening to bring you into hospital then? It gets huge, massive. An old friend actually stopped me in the street the other day and asked if I was pregnant. I could have slapped her, but yeah, it's sore too. Let's talk about the swelling first, then we can chat a little bit about the pain. Is it the swelling that bothers you the most? Yeah, it's an absolute nightmare. How quickly does the swelling come up? It's different every time. It could take a few days, it could swell up overnight. And is it just your tummy that swells? My feet swell as well, but it's usually the belly that stands out. How long has it been doing this for? About three years now, but for the last six months or so, it's been unbearable. And what happens when it swells up? How does it go back down again? Well, it depends. Most of the time, when it's really big, I come into hospital and they stick a needle into my side. It really shoots out. That sounds like it would have quite a big impact on your life going into hospital again and again like that? Well, it is disruptive enough going into hospital, but the worst thing is that I feel so rough when it happens, I can barely breathe. To be honest, it is actually like when I was pregnant. I just lie there on the sofa, I can't get up, I can't go out with my mates, it's just so boring. I'm sorry to hear that. That sounds like it really would be disruptive. Tell me more about the pain you experience when all of this happens. It's really at the bottom of my chest and top of my belly. Does it move anywhere? Not really. 
How would you describe the pain? Painful. Sorry. Would you say it's a sharp pain or like a dull ache? Oh, it's more of a dull pain. I try taking paracetamol, but nothing really helps. Does anything make it worse? Like I said before, it's mostly the way I'm sat down that makes it worse. It's horrible trying to sleep at night. I'm having to gasp for breath like this. (gasps) So you've told me about this relatively sudden onset tummy swelling, causing breathlessness and pain. You go into hospital occasionally to get fluid drained from this, and this is clearly having a big impact on your daily life. Yes. Can I ask, what is your understanding about what's caused all this swelling? Oh, didn't I mention? It's because of the booze. Oh? Yeah, I used to drink far, far too much. But, but now I've stopped. No drink for four months and 21, yeah, 21 days. Aren't I good? Congratulations, that sounds like it's a big step for you. Totally. Drink ruined my life. It would have pushed me into an early grave. What makes you say that? Well, I felt like I was losing my mind. My life revolved about when the next drink was coming. Then all of a sudden, my brother dropped dead. I know it was the drink that did it. I really am very sorry to hear that. We weren't that close. Drink does that to you. You don't get close to anyone. That was a huge shock though. I didn't want to go the same way as Matt. So I threw out all my bottles and I haven't touched a drop since. Do you mind me asking? How much alcohol were you drinking before you stopped? Well, I would have half a bottle of red wine in the morning, then another before bed. Any spirits with that? Yeah, I would throw in a quarter bottle of vodka, maybe some gin. By the end, it was whatever I got my hands on. I really wasn't picky. Any beer or cider? I tended not to have that. It made me gassy. Fine. Some people who drink lots of alcohol over time experience other symptoms. Do you mind if I quickly ask you about some of those? Go ahead. Have you ever had any changes to the colour of your skin? I did a while back. My friend once told me that I looked like a lemon. I think I need to get new, less honest friends. Okay. And did you have any infections, like chest or water infections? Again and again and again, always coughing and spluttering. My doctor was sick of the sight of me. All right. Have you ever coughed up any blood? Heavens no. That's what happened to my brother. Scares me even to think about it. Oh, I'm sorry if that's upsetting to you. Can I ask though, as it's important, have you ever had any camera tests to look down your throat? Yeah. I had one this time last year. They said it was all clear. I'm not completely sure about what they were looking for, but whatever it was, it wasn't there. Happy days. Was that a result you were expecting, or was it something you were anxious about? Well, it wasn't a nice experience, and I was worried they would find cancer or something like that. So cancer is what you were concerned about. Was there any particular reason for that? Well, both my parents died of cancer when they were about my age. Both had cancer in their gut. I really hope I haven't given myself something like that with all of the boozing. Okay, Sally. Thank you for telling me about what's been going on recently. Do you mind if I move on to ask some questions about your health and your life? Sure. Do you have any medical problems apart from the tummy? I have big swollen feet, as you can see. It's hard to get around these days. Everything is swollen. I'm like the Michelin man. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, I have bad kidneys too. See, 
I have to take these tablets for my legs and tummy. They mess with my kidneys and I have to stop taking them from time to time. Then everything swells up. Like I said before, it all goes round and round in circles. Okay, so swollen legs and chronic kidney problems. Anything else? Um, just the one. I have an irregular heartbeat. Okay, thanks for that, Sally. Just a couple of questions to get to know you better now. Who's at home with you? Oh, just me and Oscar, my dog. He's my baby. Do you ever have anyone come to your house to help you out? Well, way back when I was drinking, I never really bothered. My house was a state then. I'll never forget the smell by the end. But now I have a cleaner to come and sort the place out. When my legs are very swollen, I have a gentleman friend who comes around to help by cooking and washing things. He's a keeper him. Okay, a couple of final questions before we finish. It's something we ask everyone who's had any history of drinking alcohol to excess. Have you ever used any recreational drugs? No, it's not my style. And have you ever had any blood transfusions? No, I've never needed to, thank goodness. That's time up now, thanks. Okay, I'm just going to ask you some questions now. Firstly, can you summarise back your findings on history for this patient and present a differential diagnosis for this medical problem? Sure. This is Sally, a 51-year-old lady with a past medical history of alcohol excess, pedal edema, chronic kidney disease and atrial fibrillation. She has presented with a history of fluctuating abdominal swelling, which was repeatedly drained at hospital. This is associated with breathlessness, which is having a profound impact on her life. She has had an OGD one year ago, which appears to have ruled out esophageal varices. She suffers from reflux and recurrent infections. She has not used recreational drugs and has not had blood transfusions. Good, thank you. What about your differential diagnosis? My differential diagnosis will lead with a gastrointestinal problem, more specifically ascites secondary to alcoholic liver disease. This is because of the long history of alcohol excess, pattern of abdominal swelling and repeated hospital admissions for the draining. This is decompensated liver disease, evidenced by ascites, jaundice and pedal edema. It would be important to note that she is in an immunocompromised state due to her chronic liver disease. It would be important to rule out an infective hepatitis, though this is made less likely by a lack of history of injected drug use or blood transfusions. Finally, other causes of ascites should be considered, such as malignancy or heart failure. All right. You mentioned ascites. What is ascites? Ascites is a term for the collection of fluid in the abdominal cavity. It can be caused by decompensated liver disease, heart failure and malignancy, as well as other conditions such as tuberculosis and pancreatitis. Alright, so lots of causes then. How would you investigate this patient on first presentation of abdominal distension? I would start with baseline observations to assess for hemodynamic stability. At the bedside, I would do an ECG, as this patient mentioned renal disease, hyperkalemia caused by this could lead to ECG changes. Blood tests would also be important. I would want to take a full blood count, assessing for anemia. This lady has described a renal injury. 
Therefore, user knees would be essential for monitoring, considering furosemide and spironolactone are nephrotoxic. LFTs would be important, given the past medical history of likely cirrhosis. Whilst I would like to monitor clotting, since this is a true indicator of liver function. Hepatitis serology and HIV screen would also be useful. Fine, but would this tell you what's actually causing the ascites? Not specifically. Ultimately, that would be determined by analysis of acidic fluid on tap or drain. Microscopy of acidic fluid would take place to rule out spontaneous bacterial peritonitis. Then acidic albumin levels would be assessed so that the serum ascites albumin gradient can be calculated. What would that gradient tell you? Basically, if there is a serum ascites albumin gradient greater than 11 grams per litre, it's more likely that this is due to cirrhosis, heart failure or nephrotic syndrome. A gradient lower than this may indicate malignancy or TB. Are there any other investigations that this patient may need? Ultrasound scan would help to identify liver cirrhosis. Variceal screening would be required in the form of regular OGDs. Okay. You mentioned spontaneous bacterial peritonitis. What's that? It is a kind of intra-abdominal sepsis which patients with ascites are prone to getting. It's important to know about because it has a high mortality and can sometimes be asymptomatic. Therefore, we usually start prophylactic antibiotics if there are a lot of white cells in the acidic fluid. If this patient presented with confusion, how would you explain that? Well, for a patient with a history of cirrhosis, secondary to alcoholic liver disease, presenting with confusion, hepatic encephalopathy would need to be considered. This is caused by a reduction in excretion of toxins by the gut, which then pass into the brain it can be detected by raised blood ammonia levels. However, these patients are more susceptible to infections, which could cause delirium, causing confusion. They are more likely to have falls, which could cause head injury and therefore confusion. Therefore, hepatic encephalopathy can only be diagnosed once head trauma has been ruled out. Thank you very much. That's everything. MoslaCast is created by Medisense. You can find more ways to learn differently on our website, www.medisense.org.uk. Thanks for listening.